Since it is August, we are taking some time to look back into church history for Reformation Month, and uh, this is something we do here at Calvary Bible Church, just to kind of to remember how we as a church and just how Christianity in general got to this place. I think there is uh, probably uh, one of the most neglected fields in uh, the lives of Christians today is a failure to understand church history, to think that what we have just happens to be a good thing. And we can be kind of sometimes picky and overly critical and really um, not appreciate what we have because we don't understand how we got to the place where we are. So far this month, we have looked at uh, John Wycliffe and William Tyndale, who were the two great, first two great translators of the Bible in English. We then looked at one of the first great preachers in English, Hugh Latimer. And this morning, we want to turn our attention to one of the great champions of Reformation doctrine, Thomas Cramner. When Henry VIII, who was king of England wanted to get a divorce from his wife, Catherine of Argonne. Uh, he was refused permission from the Pope because the Pope was trying to be uh, kind to Spain and kind to England and decided to kind of side with Spain. And so he said, Henry, I, I can't give you that permission. Well, Henry's solution was to break away and start his own church and make himself head of that church. So that's what he did. He started the Church of England or the Anglican Church and and made himself head and gave himself permission to divorce his wife. Though his motives were not pure and obviously rather selfish and somewhat politically motivated, uh, he needed somebody to to form his new church, to, you know, organize it and structure it because he was no churchman. And so he asked one archbishop, uh, actually Thomas Cramner, who he appointed to be Archbishop of Canterbury to kind of be the architect, the designer, so to speak, of the Church of England. Uh, Cramner was basically just a Roman Catholic uh, priest and he um, really wasn't uh, much different than all the rest of the Roman Catholic priests. However, he had started to read some of the writings of Luther and Calvin, and he began to study the scripture for himself, and he began to slowly change his Roman Catholic doctrines for more biblical Reformation doctrines. Cramner wrote several things that were very influential and began to promote the truth. He, he basically encouraged the king to set aside the Roman Catholic liturgy, which was just full of superstition and idolatry and doctrines which were unsupportable by scripture. And he wrote the Book of Common Prayer, which was the new kind of uh, order of worship for the year for the new Church of England. Cranmer also oversaw uh, several writings uh, early on, the Ten Articles in 1536, then the Bishop's Book in 1537, the 42 Articles in 1552, which were later revised into the 39 Articles in 1563 and officially uh, approved by Queen Elizabeth after his death. Each one of those writings moved closer and closer to the truth. Each one of those writings promoted more of what was in the Bible and less of man-made religion. 
uh, Cramner worked diligently to make sure there was biblical preaching, that the book was opened, that it was explained to the people in English, not Latin. Uh, most people didn't speak Latin, so why would you preach in Latin? And yet that's what was going on then. He required that all pastors be educated in doctrine and theology and the original languages in the least so that there would be an educated clergy. He made sure that every church had an English Bible in it so that anybody could come in at any time and read the Bible for themselves in their common language. Eventually, Henry died and his son Edward VI became king and Cranmer just happened to be his mentor and tutor. And Cramner, along with King Edward, made sweeping religious reforms in favor of the then Puritans and uh, um, the, the Presbyterians and those who wanted a biblically based church, uh, not based in superstition and idolatry. And uh, that's what was going on during his short reign. But he only re- reigned a few years and died at a very young age. And when he died... He appointed uh, that or he required that Lady Jane Grey, who was highly educated and in favor of Protestantism, come after him and be queen uh, after his death. However, his half-sister, Mary, um, the daughter of Catherine of Argon and Henry VIII, was really uh, more in line to be queen. And uh, Lady Jane Grey's reign only lasted nine days. She is often referred to as the two-week queen. It was the shortest reign of anyone in England. And, and uh, Mary then uh, kind of took over and usurped the throne. She despised her father and she hated Protestantism and she hated the Church of England. The reason was is that her father uh, divorced her mother, disgraced her mother in order to establish and did this to, to establish this church so he could get a divorce. Not only that, she was demoted from the very high position of princess to a mere lady-in-waiting to a woman, Lady Shelton, who treated her cruelly and was also in favor of the Church of England. And so she saw the Church of England as really the, the epitome of the misery that had come into her life. Well, Archbishop Cramner just happened to be the one who gave Henry permission Uh, to divorce his wife. Archbishop Cramner just happened to be the one who wrote the Book of Common Prayer and who was the architect of the documents that uh, functioned, uh, the Church of England functioned with. And so he was really one of the number one targets of Mary. In Mary's four uh, almost five year reign, she had burnt at the stake some 300 pastors, uh, women and children merely because they disagreed with Roman Catholic doctrine. Most of them because they just disagreed with the doctrine of transubstantiation. The idea that when the priest blesses the, the host or the bread and the wine that they literally become the actual body and blood of Christ, which then again is sacrificed for the people. And if you disagreed with that, 
you got burned at the stake. And she burnt a lot of people at the stake. And so Cramner was imprisoned as a heretic along with John Bradford, Hugh Latimer, and Nicholas Ridley, which we learned about last week, for heresy. And the Roman Catholics were very excited because he was, you know, he was like at the top of the pyramid as far as influence in the Church of England. They defrocked him. They degraded him. They shaved his head. They removed his archbishop finery and put him in peasant rags just to make him miserable. He was in his 60s. And so all of this abuse and cruel treatment uh, was hard for him to endure. They kept telling him and, and commanding him to recant his Protestant beliefs. But the more they pressured him, the more stubborn he became. It was almost like uh, the more they pressured him, the more he dug in his heels and refused to cave in to their pressuring him to recant his biblical faith. Well, seeing that that approach of persecution was not working, they then took a totally different uh track, a, a tack that Satan uses a lot in Southern California, and that was to get him to compromise the faith through pleasure. They removed him from prison. They gave him fine clothing. They put him under kind of a very uh, kind house arrest and gave him every luxury he could want. All these pleasantries were surrounded, uh, surrounded Cramner, and it was a huge distinction between what he had just suffered in prison. And so it was a very welcome relief. They told him if he recanted, they would restore him as archbishop. He would receive the queen's pardon. He would live in luxury the, the rest of the days of his life. And at first they came in after he had kind of gotten used to this uh, luxurious lifestyle and they asked him to sign a paper, which in and of itself was not even a recantation of anything. And he willingly signed it because it didn't say much. And then over the course of time, they kept bringing other documents to him, each of which by itself was not really a full-blown recantation of Protestant beliefs, but kind of explained the previous document and each of those documents, there was five of them kind of built upon each other until at the end he had by pieces recanted his faith. They then finally came and explained to him what he had done and said, so you might as well recant your faith plainly and clearly here. He thought of going back to prison. He thought of the misery that he suffered, the pleasantries that he was experiencing. And so he signed the paper denouncing his Protestant doctrines as heretical, affirming the Pope and Roman Catholic error. He, in effect, signed his own death warrant. Well, in order to use Cramner's recantation to to his to the fullest effect against protestantism the queen instantly ordered that it be printed up and distributed all over england and so it was her goal was to use it to smash protestantism and to um, bring a death blow to the church and the movement which had caused her 
and her mother so much grief. She immediately decided to make plans to have Cramner burnt at the stake. And when you look at it, Cramner just for pleasure, for profit, for the preservation of his own life, denied Christ, denied the truth. And it was just, it was a major blow. All England was weeping and wondering and in despair because, you know, the guy, the man who organized the Church of England had now denied it all. It was a sad day. It was a sad day. Well, Cramner was kept in dark, in the dark and under house arrest. And he had no idea that the queen was going to burn him at the stake and had no idea that his recantation had been printed and spread all over England. Mary then instructed Dr. Pohl to prepare a funeral sermon to be preached to Cramner before all in St. Mary's Church at Oxford before he was burnt to be burnt at the stake. Mary, like Nebuchadnezzar, was so proud of this victory that they were able to trick Cramner and slowly wear him down and get him to recant his faith that she invited all the nobles, all the high-ranking officials. It was like Nebuchadnezzar when he erected that huge golden statue, statue and had all the noblemen and all the people from all of his realms come to witness it. She wanted everybody to be present when Cramner denied the faith and then was burnt at the stake for the crimes he had committed. The night before his execution, Cramner was visited in prison by Dr. Pohl, who asked him if his faith in Roman Catholic doctrine still held. Cramner affirmed that it did, and that he would, by God's grace, try to be daily more settled in it. About 9 a.m. the next morning, Bishop Bonner, also known as Bloody Bonner, for he was Mary's executioner and torturer of those who loved the truth, had Cramner again uh, mocked and degraded and clothed in peasant rags. Bonner then led Cramner in great procession from Bacardo Prison to St. Mary's Church in Oxford. He was kind of looked at as kind of a conquered king and Bonner, the conquering general. The Protestants stood along the way, grieving and weeping, wondering why Cramner had denied the faith. Cramner himself just looked at the ground. He was so humiliated. When they arrived... At St. Mary's Church, it was packed with grief-stricken Protestants and rejoicing and jeering Roman Catholics. And they were all eager to hear Cramner recant his faith. Well, he was placed on a crude makeshift platform that was slightly elevated above the ground. Dr. Pohl, then in a very elevated pulpit, looked down upon Cramner and began to preach Cramner's funeral sermon, praising God for bringing Cramner back to the faith after having committed such atrocities against the church and the pope, the people, and God. John Fox says, quote, During the sermon, Cramner wept bitter tears, lifting up his hands and eyes to heaven and letting them fall as if unworthy to live, end quote. At the end of his sermon, Dr. Pohl exhorted Cramner to take his death well. And it was then for the first time that Cramner realized he wasn't going to receive a pardon, that he was going to be burned at the stake. 
and things were not going well. Dr. Pohl, with a voice of triumph and false piety and condescension, then looked at Cramner and said, quote, Brethren, lest anyone should doubt of this man's earnest conversion, you shall hear him speak before you. And he said to Cramner, Master Cramner, openly express the true profession of your faith that all may understand that you are Catholic indeed. Cramner agreed and started by confessing that during his life he had committed many sins. But there was one sin in particular which weighed heavily on his heart. He then asked if he could give the crowd a few words of exhortation that they might be edified before he was burnt at the stake and they granted him permission. He exhorted the crowd to avoid the love of the world to believe that every word of the Bible, both in the Old and New Testament, was in fact the very word of God and was fully reliable. Amazingly, as people watched him, he began to gain more strength. The more he talked of the truth, the more bold he became. And he stood on his feet and he began to exhort them in the sound doctrines which he had all of his life professed. And then he said this, And now I come to the great thing that so much troubles my conscience more than anything that I ever did or said in my whole life. And that is the distribution of writing that is contrary to the truth, which I now here renounce and refuse. These things were written with my hand contrary to the truth that I believe in my heart and written for fear of death and to save my life if it might be. That includes all such bills or papers that I have written or signed with my hand since my degradation in which I have written many untrue things. Inasmuch as my hand has offended and written contrary to my heart, my hand shall be the first punished for when I come to the fire, it shall be the first to go into the flames. Then with fearless courage, he cried out, As for the Pope, I refuse him as Christ's enemy and Antichrist with all of his false doctrines. The Papists were at first stunned. They gasped in horror. And the Protestants rent the air with cheers. Cramner continued to denounce the false doctrines of the Roman Catholic Church, but could not be heard among the cheers and cries of the Protestants. Dr. Pohl, in fear and humiliation, frantically cried out, lead away the heretic. Cramner was immediately seized, drug out of the church, chained to the stake. Wood was placed around him and immediately set on fire. When the flames started to rise up around him, he stretched forth his right arm, placed his right hand in the flames and repeated this unworthy right hand until it was completely burnt off. Then he began to say, according to John Fox, the very words of Stephen, the first martyr of the church, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, and repeated that phrase until he succumbed to the flames. John Fox then wrote, the Catholics were completely foiled, and their object being frustrated, Cramner, like Samson, having completely completed a greater ruin upon his enemies in the hour of his death than he did in his whole life. And when you think of a story like that, you need to know that. You need to know that the doctrines we teach here 
are drenched in the blood of faithful men and women who came before us. That people have given their lives so that we could know the truths that we know. That it is no whimsical thing that we believe what we do about salvation and heaven and hell. These are doctrines that for many years were hidden from people. That people had to give their lives, stand up, make it different in hostile societies and hostile cultures to speak the truth so that Christians could know the truth and not be deceived by error. And so I just want you to pray with me now. The men come forward to receive the offering. Let's thank God for those who have come before us to bring us the truth. Father, we thank you for men like Thomas Cramner, who though feeble, who though denied you in a moment of weakness like Peter, yet was used by you in great ways to promote the truth. Father, we think of all the men and women of history who have, by your grace, stood against an evil and wicked generation who have stood up for the truth, have been persecuted, have been martyred, have been burnt at the stake so that those who would come after them might know the truth. We are those people. And we thank you for their sacrifice on our behalf. May we be willing to make those same sacrifices for the generation after us.